Hello and welcome to our Living Word Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning experience. You may be seated as we continue to worship. God is a good God, amen. <laughs> amen. Thank you, worship team. Kevin, that piano sounds so heavenly. I often want you just to stay. No, you can go sit down. It's okay. Oh. As we dive into the message today, how many of you have heard like the slogans, all, all the billion different ones, eat, sleep, repeat, etc.? How many of you have seen? You could put up that, that one photo for me. Something like this, right? Eat, sleep. Most of us throw out the gym, right? <laughs> eat, sleep, repeat, eat. Sleep. How many of you would say that some of you feel like minus the gym part, and some of you obviously including the gym? How many of you say this is about your life each, each and every week, right? Eat, sleep, and repeat, right? Throw in there, taking the kids to school, picking them up, going to whatever you want. You can throw whatever you want inside of there. Uh, the heart of this message today is often found, even in the last song, as the declaration and the moments declare and say, right? Your praise will ever be on my lips. I think as believers, we don't understand the stress. We don't understand how difficult it's going to be to proclaim the name of Jesus all the days of our life for all the days of our life. You see, I think a lot of times when we say yes to Jesus, the reason why, if we're being truthful, we have to be reminded of that first love is because for many of us, that first love happened many years ago. That first opportunity to meet Jesus, to know Jesus, to experience Jesus happened many years ago. For some of you, you're still experiencing the newness of him. And I want to challenge you to take what we're speaking on today and begin to use it to protect your relationship with Christ as you grow. Amen. But this whole idea of eating and sleeping and repeating and putting in whatever responsibility you want in between there is interesting to me. And the reason that I, I see us, and as I even spoke a little while ago about this fast world we're living in in regards to leadership, right? This fast-paced place of social media, internet, right? Of having things at our fingertips so quickly, of being able to get something to somebody, or now even being able to get somewhere, even if you don't have a license so fast, right? Like, it, there's just almost nothing you can't do in a moment's notice. There's very few things that could hold you back from doing what you want to do. But as I explained the other day, we are most often the one holding ourselves back from achieving all that God has for us. You think about all the things in this world, and if we just take the positive side of most of them for a minute, you can see how they can help our life. You can see how they can support the jobs we do, the families that we are. I'm so thankful for where we are at today in our society with, with technology and the abilities. Why? Because I can spend a lot more time with my family because of those things. We can do a lot more things on the road and on the move than we ever could. Things that, that, that way back then we, we just, we couldn't. We'd have to wait and, and even see results. And I often wonder, though, in a, in a world that lives in such repetition, we find ourselves repeating the wrong thing so often. I remember when I went to college, and I remember going in, and uh, 4.30 a.m. workouts were not in the contract, <laughs> as far as the one I saw. <laughs> but 4.30 workouts were what we were mandated right? Get up at 4.30. We open the gym, basically. And then after that, anyone else who's a human being, I guess, can use it, because I didn't consider us human at 4.30 in the morning, 
right? But there was a mental discipline. There were things that the coach did. There's reasons why he did this, you know, because our attitude and our actions had to match the goals that we set, amen? We wanted to do great things, but we didn't, you know, but we also wanted to just work out at like noon. That would have been fine too. <laughs> but there was something about 4.30 that stretched us, something about 4.30 that kind of got us moving and got us thinking. And, you know, just as any good college kids and wonderful college student would, I remember we walked in there in one of the first few weeks through there and they just watched us. They, didn't, they, they gave us our workout plan and we did our workouts and we did what we had to do and, and you could see Guys were doing their thing, and you start to see some guys doing some other things. When the coach leaves, then all of a sudden, workout time became what? Social time, right? You got all these kind of things and all this stuff going on. And I, I thought this was interesting because the coach came in one day, and he said, hey, hey, you know, every time you knuckleheads think we leave the room, we don't leave the room. There are 16 cameras in this gym. Every, you know, you imagine what every one of these college students like, I'm going home, I got to call my mama, I lost my scholarship, I can't, what am I going to do now, right? And then he went on to do what good leaders do. And he went ahead and started correcting our behavior. He went ahead and started pointing out what we were not doing and then told us how to do it right. But in this cycle of endless repeatedness, in this cycle of doing things repeatedly wrong, I thought a few of his principles as I get into the word today were necessary. And he said this first. He said, just because you woke up and came to the gym doesn't mean you're going to see the results you want. You see, you can get up tomorrow morning at 4.30 and try what I'm talking about. But just getting up and go sitting there and watching the workout video you're going to learn maybe how to lift when you decide to pick up the weight, right? But just because you make the decision doesn't mean you're going to see the results. And I think sometimes in our empathetic, sympathetic culture we live in, we're just, oh, oh, Johnny, oh, Jane, great job. You took one step. You're like, no, do the whole thing. That's not one step. That's a half a step. Complete the process. Why? Because if you want results, you have to work for them. Now, as we continued, and he went ahead and got on his soapbox and continued with about 70 sermons, and I think we didn't lift that day because we were like, <laughs> that's about what we were doing, right? He then went on to say, and now for those of you who think you know how to lift weights, most of you don't know what to do. None of you have asked us how to properly do this workout and that workout. None of you have done this. None of you have asked any bit about any. So we just assume you guys know what you're doing. And we got guys doing things this way and guys doing things that way. And over the last three weeks, he goes, we got half the team in the trainer's room because of injuries. Why? Because repetition with the wrong things leads to dangerous results. You got to think about this for a minute. So not only is it proper to make the right decision, but then when we get into the gym, right, now we start walking this thing out and doing it. Now we're doing it the wrong way. We're getting results. They're just not the ones we desired. They're ones that now are destructive. Because not only now can I not continue to work out, but now I have to sit back another couple weeks and let what I've now done wrong to myself heal to then do what's right. I hope you're hearing this morning because I want to talk to you about how dangerous repeating the wrong thing is. 
Proverbs says it in many different ways about 4,000 times, but describes it best, right, in, in these few verses. I'll say it to you this way in Proverbs 26, 11. As, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Now, you see, a dog doesn't know that when it throws up its food that it's not nutritious. And so a dog sees it, and because when many dogs are pups, their moms chew that food and spit it back out for them to then eat as a baby, they return to it. This is all I know. Go eat the crap on the floor. But me and you know as owners, we go, no, 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 wait a minute. That's not, that's not going to help. No, 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 come here, come here. Let me get you the good stuff. Come here, come here. But the Bible says it, Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. I said it this way, and one of the points you can put up on there for me. A foolish person is one who has convinced themselves that everyone is wrong and they are right. It is so dangerous to live like a fool. It is so dangerous, as the Bible says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but consider yourself with sober judgment. Why? Because if you think you're bigger than you really are, you're going to begin to fight giants you were never equipped to fight. So you cannot think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but you have to think of yourself soberly. Why? Because the natural mind will lead you to think you can do things in the flesh that you need the Spirit to accomplish. Whew. There are so many people dying in leadership. There are so many people trying to do their best, but nobody has stopped to just show them how to properly lift the weight, and they just keep injuring themselves. And then they repeat it, and they injure themselves. And then they repeat it, and they injure themselves. I pray to God that I would wake up the Christian leader this morning in here. In the last series, I spent a lot of time, as God shared it with me and showed it to me, that we would be a church full of leaders that we would redefine what leadership looks like to people, that it's not defined by the pastor's title and the youth pastor's title and the secretary and the assistant's title. No, no, no. It's defined by the anointing that's been placed on your life. And that anointing was given to you at birth, at your spiritual birth with Christ, that he would impart to you the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit to walk all the days of your life in the things of God. A foolish person is one who's convinced themselves that everyone is wrong and they are right. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever, whoever hates correction is stupid. That's in the Bible, okay? <laughs> Don't be yelling at me like you're my mama today, okay? Proverbs 12, 1, NIV version. <laughs> you know, I love this portion because I think in today's day and age, when we hear discipline as parents or we hear discipline as leaders, we kind of look at two different generations, and I know they're different. There's more generations intertwined, but we kind of see this old school way of disciplining a kid. Can I get an amen? And then we got the new school way of disciplining a kid, and can I get an uh-oh? <laughs> right? Okay, And as we kind of look at both, the reason I share that with you is because I think both have partially missed the fullness of what discipline really means in Scripture. 
You see, just go ahead and giving a child a whooping for the sake of giving them a whooping doesn't straighten them out. It gives them a black and blue. Come on. Just letting a kid do whatever they want because it's their creative ability is stupid. It's the same thing. I feel like this. Okay, well, let's talk about this. We need to talk about what you're feeling. Why? Because God is a God of order. God is a God of direction. And I think that when we read this scripture, Proverbs 12, 1, it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I told leaders this. I actually shared it with Luciano from a, a, a college course that I had a little booklet before service. We were just randomly flipping through, and I was just, we were talking leadership for a minute. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably butcher it. You wrote it down, but it basically said that people don't always do what you expect, but, they, but people do what you inspect. People don't always do what you expect them to do, but they do the things that you inspect. And what that means is that as parents, as leaders, as watchers, as teachers, when we say to our kids, hey, listen, you can do what you want on your phone, but when I say give me the phone, you give me the phone. I promise you, parents, I work with teenagers daily and have worked with them since I was 18 years old. They will think about what they do on their phone if they remember whose phone it is. <laughs> Why? It's effective discipline. It's effective in the moment. Why? Because now they can erase all the things they want. They can try to, listen, they, they, they're smart, but they're also kids. <laughs> they may get away with it one time. They may get away with it two times or three, but I promise you they'll forget to delete something. One of the 42 times you check it. But you see, how amazing would it be if your children or those you're discipling came to you first and said, hey, I want you to know when I was on Instagram, I looked at this. When I was in my classroom, I heard somebody say this today. Or when I was walking through my college campus or, or when I was doing these things in my leadership position, I, I experienced this. I thought this. I want to bring this to you. Why? Because the Bible says it is clear. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. We have to teach generations to love to be disciplined. The number one thing that we teach coaches in what I do is to not make conditioning a punishment. This is a good analogy of the old school thought of discipline and a new school thought of coaching. Now, discipline, uh, conditioning is very important to an athlete, amen? But if they hate conditioning, they now hate the number one thing they need to survive in what they do. So now as a coach, because you ran them until they threw up and you ran them until they couldn't talk and say your name anymore, coach, right? Like, they couldn't, they couldn't even get it out of their mouth. Because you did that, because you decided that was going to be your way, yeah, you conditioned them. Yeah, I guess they fear you a little more. Yes, they do fear making that same mistake anymore. But here's the problem in, in, in ignorant discipline. This is what happens. You think that when you put them back out on their field of competition to now go do what they were supposed to do, you forget you didn't now teach them again how to fix their problem or give them a proper time to fix what they were doing wrong. So they then go do it again wrong and you do the same thing. Five minutes later, I told you if you miss this many layups, you're back on the line and we're going to go till the whole team falls. But what does that do? What is that going to do for us? Yes, I told you this. It's true. They're going to be afraid of making mistakes. They're going to think about 
They're going to focus more because they're just so scared of missing that layup or they're so scared of finishing what you told them to do that they're, you, you, I hope you're following me this morning, church. We cannot just discipline for the sake of discipline. We've got to discipline for the sake of learning. We've, and we've got to give people a chance to grow. Now, listen, I say it to our youth leaders, our kids leaders all the time. You go to Six Flags, it's not okay to not bring back a kid. <laughs> there is no way we are going to be half okay with that. <laughs> and you know what? We have to teach kids. We have to teach other leaders these principles, church. There, are, there is a such thing as you can't fail today. There is a portion in something that you do. If you looked all around the world, there are people today watching so many things that keep us safe. There are so many people who are in jobs today that we're able to safely do what we do today because they're there. And if something changed in that moment, maybe we wouldn't be as safe. You see, we don't realize that it's okay to tell generations that failure is not acceptable repeatedly. But that when we fail, we have to go ahead and turn around and use the goals we want to accomplish as the accountability to not keep repeating those same failures and mistakes. I think it's important that we not be the dog that returns to its vomit. Romans 8. Turn with me. I'm going to read a little bit there. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can read with me this morning. The second area I want to talk to you about is that a foolish person thinks that sin has no sting and lives as if its consequences are minute. I'll read that again for you. If you guys can put it up there when you get a chance. A foolish person thinks sin has no sting and lives as if its consequences are minute. I'm going to tell you something that some of you are not going to like. The, but it's a truth because many of you know it and you live it in the excuses that you make inside of sin. And you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. There are things in almost every one of our lives that we would say, well, you know, I don't really know if God is, doesn't like that. Or I, I think my line's kind of here and your line's kind of here. And, you know, I, I feel like for me, I can kind of live here and I can kind of live there. And, you know, and, and I always say to people, anytime people want to have those conversations, because if you have a title of pastor next to your name, everyone in the world wants to have those kind of conversations with you, right? And over the years, I'll be honest with you, I just got tired of answering some of them and being wrong because I was wrong, especially earlier in my ministry, and I wasn't complete. None of them were complete thoughts. Why? Because most of the statement that I'm receiving is just foolish. It was incomplete even in the question. I always love to use alcohol as, as, as an example for, for our leaders and for, for those of you, and I say it this way. Listen, the Bible makes it super clear, super clear, that there is a danger to alcohol, Amen. We don't refute that. But it does not say you cannot partake in wine. It does not say you cannot partake in it. And now here's this problem as adults, and we can do this for a minute. It is so dangerous for us to think that alcohol cannot lead to drunkenness and drunkenness cannot lead to debauchery, that debauchery cannot lead to so many other things in our life. That's what the Bible says. So we as wise families and people, we sit back with these thoughts and these understanding that, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to be careful not to minimize the consequences of sin. 
You know, there are people in this earth, including my, my cousin when we were 17 years old, who lost their life in one try of a drug. One time trying something. There are people who have strung out on drugs for 30, 40, 50 years and they live. My cousin tried it once and he overdosed. Sin doesn't know any name or title. Sin doesn't know age or respecter of person. That drug happened to be laced with various things that just took his life in an instant. But you see, we go ahead and we play with the lines of sin as adults in our lives because we think that we have enough Jesus in us to keep us from some of the other stuff. I'm not sitting here giving you a sermon on alcohol and drugs this morning. I hope you hear that. If you're missing what I'm saying, you need to go back and watch this later. What I'm saying to you is that I believe that Jesus made it so clear that there are actions and activities in our life that we have to be so careful that if we continue to repeat them, they could have a negative effect on not only our life, but on those around us. And there has to be a moment in time where you make a decision that if you think you're flirting with, with disaster, that you need to go ahead and walk away. It's not worth it. Your eternity secure in Christ is not worth it. Your walking with God so that others may know him and walk with him is not worth it. We do not want to be people who continue to wake up and be repetitious in our sinful cycles, church. We want to be a people, a church, who rises up to the moments and says, hey, listen, I get this is what, because hear me, some of your teenagers are going to ask you these questions. Some of the college students in your life, they're going to say to you, well, where's the line here? Somebody tell me. And you're going to have to look them in the face with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you know what your personal life looks like. Come on, somebody. And you're going to have to explain to them something. And let me just tell you, if you're lying to them, they're not going to listen to you because they can smell fake from a mile away. But if you want to be honest with them and tell them what life is really like in those areas, I promise you, you'll get their attention. I know every time I tell my cousin's story, even if I said it for seven weeks in a row in, my, in any service I'm in, it just grabs the attention. Why? Because there's a reality inside of a real human being that I'm related to that tried drugs one time and went, and went on to eternity. Come on. There's a reality there. Some of us need those awakening moments to begin to realize that sin, that living mistake-filled lives is not healthy for us. Now, here's the challenge. We are literally walking in sin until the Spirit separates us. Let's read about this in Romans 8, 5 today. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind excuse me, governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, how do we begin to grab hold of this and understand what happens in the word here? The two nuances that are in here are so clear, right? There is an admission that apart from God, our minds, our natural state, as Nick himself, cannot overcome the daily challenges of this sinful world. I am living a part of it. I am living in it. I am susceptible to all the things that are here. Why? Because if my mind is set 
and paced by the governances of this world, then I will also be held accountable to the authorities of this world. So for my cousin, that drug was his authority. He submitted to that, and that took his life. I hope you get authority here this morning in Jesus' name. But it says the mind in verse 7, governed by the flesh is hostile. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. We're talking to the, to the, to the Jesus people now, right? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I want you right now, even where you're sitting, to begin to think about one thing that you need to make a better decision about right now. And I want you to begin to ponder that. And maybe it's attitude related. Maybe it's actual things that happen in your day related. Maybe it, it, it's emotional. Maybe it's relational between your husband and yourself. Right? Maybe, it, maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's at your job. I want you to do me a favor because I want this to begin your week because we are not going to keep repeating and we're not going to wait till January to make a new resolution that within two, three, four weeks is gone again. Come on now. We've got to make decisions that we're not going to keep repeating the same garbage every day. And you have to make a decision. You have to make a right decision. And I want to teach you because I want to be disciplined for you this morning. And I say, I want you to identify something even right now. And if you need to take out your phone and type it in, do it. If you need to write it on the person's back behind you, do it. No, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> There's paper underneath. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you need to do to remember what God's speaking to you, I want you to grab hold of that today. Why? Because if you can discipline your life, even in that manner, you are going to walk closer to God this week. You'll be a better husband, maybe. You'll be a better wife, maybe. You'll be a better mom or a dad. You'll, 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 you'll be a better co-worker. You'll, so many things, whatever that is. And I tell you what, for some of us, there needs to be, and, 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 and some of you are with me this morning. Worship team, come join me, please. Some of you, like the young man I shared coming out of worship, I need you to hear me say it this morning. Some of you, it's going to take those kind of things to wake you up. And that's not okay with me. For some of you, I want you to hear me this morning that you, sh you cannot, and you, I don't want you to, take the risk of having to learn from the dire circumstances the ones that maybe you can't get out of. You see, my cousin and this young man were two different people. The only thing that was different is that one's still alive and has another chance. It's as real as that. Come on. 
That young man who looked at me yesterday said, he, he said, I forget the exact amount of days, so I don't want to exaggerate it, but he said it was a thousand some odd days in prison. He just kept announcing the numbers and the, I mean, he probably would even know the hours he spent. Why? Because every moment he spent behind those bars, he knew he should not have been there. Not from what he did, don't get it twisted. He knew what he did was wrong. But he knew that wasn't God's will for his life that he would be behind bars for many, many years. And I love what he said at the end of it. He kind of looked back and he looked at these other guys. There's a lot of young people there too. And he looked at him and he said, you know, I'm 26 years old and I say that I'm a man. And I hope for men and women this hits you really good this morning. He said, you know, I say I'm a man. But every week, and he showed his ankle brace that he has to wear now. He said, every week I got to go to another man and I got to report. I can't leave a certain area. I have to be home at a certain time. See, this young man didn't have a dad. He didn't have someone to discipline him. He didn't have a family unit that was conducive to his personal growth in that way. He said he had some good role models in his life as far as uncles and grandparents. That's why they, he knew God prior. But what he did was he took what happened with his dad and he made it now become an eternal problem. And he took his life and he completely said, you know what, all that I know, all that I was living in, all that I am, you know what, I just don't want it if this is what dads are, if this is what we are, this is what it's going to look like. And his life went for a nosedive, as I explained before. But pulling it full circle, as I shared with you earlier, I think some of us don't realize that it's about time that we man up or as women of Christ, we stand up and we say, you know what, I, I'm just not allowing this anymore. Uh, I love you, daughter. <laughs> I love you, son, and I will be here. But this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. And this is why. Because the wages of sin is death. And I'm not doing that. I want you to know God to the fullest. And 1 John, right, says it to the best. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, I think, and, and, and especially for those of you who, who might be frustrated with God, I want you to hear me say this, right, because you've probably heard this from pastors for many years now, but I want to say it maybe a little differently in the hopes of teaching and, and, and not just preaching this morning. I, I want you to hear me say it as much as this, right? If we confess our sins, you've heard that and it just rings and I, I feel like every time a pastor reads that, if we confess our sins, everybody goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need you to do me a favor and forget about the whole confess your sin idea in your head right now. What I want you to realize is that as the author and perfecter of this book, God the Father is speaking that to you today, not Nick. That your heavenly father, the good one, <laughs> the one who made heaven and earth, wrote these, gave these things. These are God-inspired, written down by man for you and I to realize what? Hey, son, daughter, I want you to realize, look past where you are today and give it to me. What you're doing, how you're living, what's happening, give it to me. Let me show you what you need for the journey. I'll put what you need in your backpack and now we'll go for the day. But I promise you, I won't put nothing wrong in there because he's the good father. Some of you need to start your journey over with God. 
You don't need another water baptism. You don't need another rededication of your heart to God. No, you just need to say, God, I, I, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. I know I'm a mess. I get it. Let's go. I know this area has been bad for long. I know that I've struggled. I know that this hasn't been good, but okay, come on. Let's go. You're way faster than me, and I'm ready to run. Some of you need to stop saying tomorrow, and you need to live in today. Because tomorrow's not promised. It's no more Monday. It's no more Friday. It's no more Saturday. We're going to do that. No, no, no. No, it's today. Today, I'm going to live better. Today, I'm going to be better. Today, I want to be closer to God. Why? I don't want to necessarily just think of these words sin and think of, no, no, no. I want a life full of Christ. I want a life that, that gives me an opportunity each and every day to experience him and his love. Why? Because if I could figure this out, so will other people. I know that. Because there's so many lonely people in this world looking for a good reason and not another excuse. <clears throat> My desire today is to challenge you to live a life that searches after godly wisdom and direction. Foolishness is not nutritious. Wisdom is. Whatever you do throughout your week, I don't care if you're not a reader, if you're not a studier, if you don't think of yourself as a prayer warrior, I need you to understand if those things aren't present, you're kind of dying inside a little bit. The Word of God is so nutritious. It's okay. Use Google. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> look up some things. And I mean look it up as far as the Bible, not other people's opinion. You can type in scriptures about prayer and they'll give you some scriptures on prayer. And use the Bible to learn how to pray. Church, if we figure this out together, I promise you we're going to end cycles and cycles of generations of people living in a mess. We need to find the balance of old school discipline and the current things that God is doing right in front of us. We need to figure out the things we know and remembered from just being raised and living and thinking and hearing things throughout history to exactly what God has for us this day. The Word of God is so rich in wisdom. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? For those of you that are going to be here to pray, would you come on up and just be here? I know every single day in some way, shape, or form, we wake up and we want, we want different. But my question is, are you willing to live differently to see those results? Are you willing to break the endless cycle, the vicious cycle of things that keep repeating themselves? God knows what you can handle. Handle, put in front of him. Put in front of him something. Handle one thing this day. Going into this week, handle one thing with God. And I can just see it happening, that God would open the floodgates for you. And that he would give you favor. Why? Because the Bible says that those who seek wisdom find the favor of God. Lord, we pray to you this morning. And Father, I thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name that you're here and present. 
Lord, I can sense, Lord, from the moments we walk in through our, our whole entire worship service together, God. Lord, we can sense you tangibly here with us this morning. Lord, and I just pray right now you would break the cycles of bad repetition. Lord, there are so many here that are spiritually, emotionally, and even physically injured, God. And I pray, God, that you would go ahead and begin the process of healing in them. That they would grab your hand and your hand in theirs. And that they would begin walking this journey out, God, that we would not keep repeating, but God, that we would now begin to walk it out with you, God. Lord, we want to do it right. And so if we're going to be repetitious, we want to do it with you. With the things that are going to yield results, heavenly results. Lord, I thank you today for this family at Living Word Church. I thank you that the world changers that stand in front of me are going to do just that this week. I thank you, God, that there's nothing that can stand in the way of what you have. And we just pray and partner together this day, Lord, that all things according to the will of God would happen this week. We thank you, Father, that we serve a living God. Lord, thank you as you bring us this week into the different ministries and the different times together. We thank you, God, that we come back even again this Sunday, next Sunday, celebrating you, Father. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ today. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's give God a praise this morning. We're going to continue to worship. And if you need prayer, come up here. We'd love to pray with you this morning. If you'd like to be dismissed in a few seconds, feel free to go ahead and be dismissed quietly as we continue to worship. I pray, I pray you have a blessed Sunday, Living Word Church. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's message here at Living Word Church. Uh, if you're looking for a community, looking for a home church, we want to challenge you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 here in Union, New Jersey. We pray you have a blessed day in Jesus' name.